coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. Business as usual is changing constantly, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we're not going back and making those updates. But I will say the way we start with customers, quite frankly, it comes much before the the kickoff, right? Before the project team really hits the ground, it's in the sales process. Mm-hmm. It's setting the expectation of this is what this is going to like. This is what this is going to require of your team, require of business. This is the change you know, you need to embrace. And I think often I'll have conversations with customers that, you know, the software is great. We work with a very flexible, adaptable software, um, configurable. We don't even have to introduce code nine times out of 10. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's fantastic. We can, we can do the moon, right? But organizations will ask for things that they're not ready to absorb, or they Mm -hmm. haven't considered what is it going to take? What, what kind of people? Do we have the right people in the right roles? Do we have the right people in our company, mm-hmm. right? Are we going to need to go out and hire for that role? We can say we have people with titles, but a lot of times these implementations that we're looking at require organizations to take a hard look at their team. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they have to let them all go or anything like that, but it, it does require going, okay, how much change can we absorb being honest in that way? And also how, what's the amount of pivot and transformation we can actually take on. And if we want to do more, might have to make some hard decisions here. So those conversations, I like to have them early and often and kind of normalize that discussion and make it, you know, more thoughtful than reactive or it dawning on the organization as they're going live that, oh, shoot, we don't have, we're trying to train these people and they're not the right people in this role, you know? Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Stephanie Picardi, who is the CEO of VFP Consulting. VFP Consulting helps usher in technology into existing companies. So Stephanie and her team go in and help manage the transition when a company is looking to uh, implement a new ERP system or a new management system. They go in, they do help integrate the system and and customize the system to that company's process. But really where they shine is helping the leadership in that company manage that transition itself. Uh, they, They help make sure that the employees are trained correctly and that the, more importantly, the leadership teams understand what this process is going to look like. So we get into all the nuances of what that process does actually look like and some of the things to expect and some of the the hurdles and pitfalls that companies run into some of the sticking points that they run into that they may not necessarily realize when they are looking to build a new digital digitized process uh, for their system so really really interesting insights that stephanie had to share uh, not only on the customer facing side of things again the the digital transformation of her companies but also we get into how she built 
uh, her company as well and focused more on culture and understanding her limitations as a leader and knowing when to uh, hand different projects over to another person. So really, really great conversation. Uh, if you're looking to grow, scale your business, if you're looking to integrate technology into your business, this is an episode that you're not going to want to miss with Stephanie Picardi. Quite eclectic. <laughs> I think most folks will take a look at me and think I came from kind of a cookie cutter family in the suburbs. Part of that's true. But I like to describe my family as we look like we got met on a cruise ship. <laughs> so I have some older siblings from my dad's first marriage that are quite a bit older and they're half Japanese and my dad is half Venezuelan. So we all just kind of look a little bit different. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. My sister is probably six inches shorter than me and, you know, dark straight hair and Asian eyes and stuff. So the dinner table was always kind of, I don't know, you look around and to me, that's kind of what we see in business today. That's what yeah. I would see at school. It's like, not everybody looks the same. So no, that's great. That's great. So how many how many siblings did you have? I have four. I have three oh. brothers and a sister. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. And now, were you exposed to any type of entrepreneurialism or any any exposure to business growing up at all? A bit, and probably in a few different ways. So my dad's a software engineer and mm -hmm. well, retired software engineer, but he had his own business and kind of doing like ten ninety nine type work doing custom software development. So actually in a kind of payroll space and I'm in the ERP space now, so we can, uh, we can talk shop a bit, but he had that company for a good 10 years in my childhood. So I remember him working from home really before working from home was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then I guess we were just raised with a really strong work ethic. I mean, we all for, for better or worse, right. But we all got jobs as soon as we could, as soon as we were mm -hmm. of age to do so. And in fact, I can remember I was, I was babysitting at like nine years old and, you know, the neighborhood kids and stuff like that. So we were always kind of encouraged and to make our own way and, and do our own thing. So. Yeah, that's great. And you mentioned for better or worse, do you, do you feel like there's a detriment there? There's, there's, you know, what's, what's the worst part, you know? Well, I mean, I think there can be, and I think I personally have done a, a good job of the work-life balance mm -hmm. and trying to mix business and pleasure where I can, and that work that works for me and for my lifestyle. You know, some people need to just completely shut down and you know disconnect for a few weeks at a time. But I always found in my consulting career that I could kind of tack on a few days to a trip and get mm -hmm. to see friends and family, and you get your airline miles and your your hotel points and things. So. I feel like I have that balance, but I've also seen, and, you know, I saw my dad was a sole provider and worked a lot, had, yeah, had to work yeah. all the time and gave us a great life, but it does come at, at a cost and, and stress, right? Yeah. And that stress carries itself into the home. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Being a workaholic is, uh, seems to be a, a tendency that most of us entrepreneurs have. So, yeah. But uh, well, when you're passionate about something, right, it, it's, you enjoy it. It's part yeah. of you. Yeah, sure, sure. So, so did you go to university? Did you go to college? Did you? Yes. Did, and, university and, of Florida. Oh, very cool. Very cool. And were you, what, what were you, uh, what were you studying when you went to, when you went to college? So I studied business administration and psychology. I didn't really want to be necessarily a therapist, but that was always something that interested me. And mm -hmm. I was not a particularly I was a good student in terms of grade point average. Um, I'm, I'm a good test taker. That's about it. But mm -hmm. 
I just didn't have an interest in school. I wanted to just get out in the real world. And I don't know, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have like a specific vision then um, or idea in mind, but I just kind of felt like, I mean, I, I grew up in Florida and I was learning about manufacturing in business school. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of manufacturing in Florida. In Florida so it's so right. hard to relate to, you know? Yeah. It just didn't seem like it was going to be relevant for me. I had a great time in college, but I think the psychology part was the part of the topic um, and the studying that I could do that interested me mm -hmm. in that aspect. But I um, got my four-year degree and then kind of thought, oh, I'll go get a master's. I'll do the MBA program. And my parents, I had a full ride scholarship to University of Florida. And my parents basically said, if I stayed in the state of Florida and went to university there, then they would pay for me to go anywhere else mm -hmm. for my graduate degree. And they outsmarted me on that one. <laughs> so I knew it would be kind of a waste for me to go immediately, or I felt like for me, it would be a waste to go immediately into grad school. So I moved up to the DC area and got started on my career. And then of course, by the time I thought about going back to school, I wasn't going to ask my parents for the money for yeah, it. Yeah. So, so they got off easy on that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So when did you, when did you get your first jump into starting your own company, starting your own business? Yeah. So I honestly wasn't someone that had that in mind for myself. I didn't mm -hmm. really think I would want to have my own business. And for me, I, I don't think I ever wanted to go the like 1099 route. I didn't see that just one person going in, doing a project and walking away. Yeah. Um, so to me, being an entrepreneur and starting my own company would mean employees and team members and scaling and growing. And I managed to dodge managerial roles throughout my career <laughs> here and there. It was always something I was like, I don't think I'm very good at that. So I just like to be that individual contributor. So I think for me, it wasn't something that was on my mind to particularly do. And I had a colleague of mine that basically had started a practice for my former employer, started a practice there and kind of got my feet wet with that. And he kind of talked me into it. <laughs> and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and yeah, I think once it took me a couple of years to really kind of figure out my why and where, I guess, where I get the enjoyment of all of it from. Mm -hmm. I, li I like something fast paced, sure. And that can always be a distraction from kind of why do you do this? But it was a couple of years in that I guess it just kind of dawned on me that I feel like my contribution to the world is to create an environment where people can thrive and they can thrive in their work lives. They can be challenged. They can be, you know, have, have fun, right. Get mm -hmm. along with their coworkers and have a healthy environment there where they feel safe and trusted and that they can trust others and how we can grow and scale that. And then when those folks go home, they're better wives, husbands, friends, yeah. <laughs> brothers, sisters, you know what I mean? Like can't control all the aspects, but you know, if I can contribute to that kind of work-life satisfaction, then that's the goal. That's what yeah, I'm here to do. That's great. So when, when a lot of entrepreneurs start out, it, 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 they have a, an idea of, you know, something that they want to, to build or create, right? Would you say that you sort of attached more to the idea of creating this, like you called environment, culture, what have you, of, you know, people working, you know, in the same direction or on the same, you know, type of project. And that's really, you know, really what you sort of focused on or that you latched onto? Yeah, I, th I think I latched onto that. And I think it came, it started with, what do I know? My mm -hmm. domain expertise, and I've been consulting in the ERP space and SaaS implementations my entire career. 
So that's obviously what I can sell, what I could deliver in, in the early yeah. days, what I could mentor people on and hire for, right? That it's kind of all I know. So I think that that's the path. That's why we have, you know, why we went in the services direction. Mm -hmm. I also have a pretty strong belief in what it means to be a consultant and what consulting means. And it's very much people in process first. And in my space, the software comes, mm -hmm. you know, third or last or at mm -hmm. least second. I think that's gotten lost with the SaaS boom, if you mm -hmm. will. And mm -hmm. folks thinking everything's plug and play, right? I'm going to be able to download this and it's going to work for me and my business is going to yeah. be better. And the reality is, at least for the products we're working with, we work with the Salesforce platform. It's just not the case. They, you could sell it as easy and intuitive and those things, but ultimately these projects are about the people and process that that mm -hmm. software is supporting. And so I don't think that, I think customers need that actual advice and they need to be guided through the process and guided through the change and faster is not always better. So sure. I think I, I have that brand of consulting that I want to teach and train others on as well as, you know, bring to the software community. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what, what it is that you guys do. Like, you know, someone has a, uh, you know, I know that you're in ERP or you, you, help design mm -hmm. ERP systems, but what types of problems, I guess, can you say that, that most people would come to you, you know, with, you know, that complaint, what, what is it mm -hmm. typically that you guys are solving? We're solving trust issues mm -hmm. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and visibility. And I think where folks, they don't trust the data either because they don't have access to it. They can't see it. It's being manipulated in spreadsheets and they have mm -hmm. too many conversations. We've all been there of like, instead of talking about what to do with the numbers you're talking about, are the numbers accurate or not? Yeah. And, you know, my spreadsheet says this and yours says that and, and those kinds of things. So I think it is, it, if I had to really kind of boil it down, it's the trust, the trust in the data, the trust in the people delivering it and that the systems are accurate. I think too, where there's a lot of manual handoffs. So within an individual function, so within sales, within support, within finance, there can be quite a bit of automation in many cases and things work pretty well. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you've got to have that handoff between sales and finance or services and finance, all of a sudden it's this back and forth and there isn't visibility into what the other side is, you know, seeing or what they're doing with that information. So you don't know why you need to deliver it and all of those kinds of silos, breaking those down, I think is where we can really help customers. Yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. With your process, I'm assuming that one of the most common questions that everybody asks is, you know, where do we start? How do we start something like this? You know, because a lot of times I'm assuming that these are older companies and they already have a process that's established. How, how do you start your projects? How do you, you know, start explaining that, that process of what this is going to look like? Absolutely. So I will say it's not specifically older companies and established companies. A lot of times we're helping organizations, especially in this time of acquisitions and private equity, you know, there's a lot of small companies that get investments and they, they blow up, right? So they mm -hmm. raise that money and now all of a sudden they don't have the platforms to support, you know, adding a hundred people, 500 people over the course of six to 12 months, right? Mm -hmm. So we have customers that end up, I'll say broken because of that. Others are just, you know, on antiquated systems and systems that don't talk to each other, not putting in the investment to continue to 
adjust and adapt your software to your current needs and current mm -hmm. requirements. It's mm -hmm. not a one and done. We talk about things like reporting where it's very much, it's always evolving. You're not just creating one report and you're done. You're gonna have new reporting requirements tomorrow and the next day. So you've got to continue to evolve those systems. So I think customers kind of, hey, we implemented it, <laughs> we're live and then business as usual, but then business as usual is changing constantly, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we're not going back and making those updates. But I will say the way we start with customers, quite frankly, it comes much before the, the kickoff, right? Before the project team really hits the ground, it's in the sales process. Mm -hmm. It's setting the expectation of this is what this is going to like. This is what this is going to require of your team, require of business. This is the change, you know, you need to embrace. And I think often I'll have conversations with customers that, you know, the software is great. We work with a very flexible, adaptable software, um, configurable. We don't even have to introduce code nine times out of 10. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's fantastic. We can, we can do the moon, right? But organizations will ask for things that they're not ready to absorb or they mm -hmm. haven't considered what is it going to take? What, what kind of people? Do we have the right people in the right roles? Do we have the right people in our company? Mm -hmm. right? Are we going to need to go out and hire for that role? We can say we have people with titles, but a lot of times these implementations that we're looking at require organizations to take a hard look at their team. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying they have to let them all go or anything like that, but it, it does require going, okay, how much change can we absorb being honest in that way? Mm -hmm. And also how, what's the amount of pivot and transformation we can actually take on. And if we want to do more, might have to make some hard decisions here. So those conversations, I like to have them early and often and kind of normalize yeah. that discussion and make it, you know, more thoughtful than reactive or it dawning on the organization as they're going live that, oh, shoot, we don't have, we're trying to train these people and they're not the right people in this role, you know? Yeah, yeah. And what are some of the, I guess, the common pitfalls that you've realized over the years with a company that might be looking at doing something like this, doing some type of digital mm -hmm. transformation or what have you, have there been projects that have, you know, basically completely gone by the wayside because of some issue that you've come across? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's probably, I don't know that there's a common theme or thread potentially as I'm talking, I'll, I'll maybe lace them together, but I'm thinking of a customer of mine, and this happens quite frequently. Again, go back to everybody wants things, you know, plug and play and, and quick. Mm -hmm. and I'm presenting a timeline and saying, oh, it's going to take, you know, weeks or so. Our methodology is such that it is allowing for you to introduce that change management and execute on that plan, right? It's not mm -hmm. just about conf configuring the software. So it's, it's kind of intentional not to move too quickly. And and I'm not talking years, I'm talking like 16 weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's always that, can we do it faster? Can we do it in 12 weeks or, you know, whatever. And it's interesting because I think at least 80% of the time, those folks pushing us to go faster cannot, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a, a bit of a game of chicken, right? Well, we can do it. <laughs> Our yeah. job is the easy part. We'll get the requirements, we'll configure the software, we'll train you on it you've got to change your organization, you know? And I think that's where I've seen customers, I'm thinking of one in my mind that literally pushed me and wanted to do it in like eight weeks. Mm -hmm. It's taken them two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Like, and they really haven't dropped the project. It's just, and it's not the software. The software is built and configured. They just, well, we'll roll out one pilot project and we'll, you know, only launch to this group. And it's just, 
dragged on and on yeah. and on. And in that whole while, their business has changed <laughs> more than once. Yeah. Leadership has changed over, right? So it's very hard to kind of, there's a sweet spot in there. You've got to take enough time to do it right. But at the same time, trying to aim for perfection is, is a never ending battle, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that's one kind of, one thing I, I guess is coming to mind immediately. I think also just not appreciating the systems we're implementing, the amount of revenue a company is running through the system. It's a big deal. Take mm -hmm. your time, make sure it's done right. You know, and first impressions mean everything. So when we're rolling the software out, you want it to be a wow factor and not something that, oh, well, we didn't put a lot of thought into this. We thought maybe we'd try it and see if it works. And, mm -hmm. you know, the end users are, I don't know how you are, but when I get a new phone, I lose like a week of my life. Trying to <laughs> figure know? it out and play with it. Exactly. Yeah. Or a yeah. new laptop. So yep. imagine this is, these are business systems people are using in their day jobs and they're going, I'm learning it. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to click. Like yeah. at the same time, we also have things that we could have avoided just as we could have avoided, or we could have been more thoughtful around. So I think it's really kind of taking the time to manage the change. Mm -hmm. Now, are there characteristics of companies that are more successful at implementing this? And what comes to mind is, you know, if someone doesn't, someone might have a process of how they do things, but maybe there's five different ways that they might do the same thing, or they've got, mm -hmm. you know, all these different small little nuances that are, you know, baked into their path one way or the other, are, are those ones typically more difficult to be able to deal with? Or is it, you know, is it the ones that have the path clearly defined and it's basically done the same way every time? And there might be different silos of people mm -hmm. doing it slightly differently, but it's, I get all of this information, I do this with it, and then it passes to this one. And, you know, people that have yeah. that a little bit more clearly defined, are they, are they easier to work with? Or are they, is it... Um, I don't know if I'd make that statement. I think it comes down to the organizational culture and the way they make decisions and how they manage the change in the organization. I know I keep kind of going back to that, but to me, that's the, the biggest piece is the people side of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we run into, and we see this uh, a lot on the accounting side. So when we're implementing, I mean, I'm talking GL and ARAP, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of accounting systems look the same. The one that we implement doesn't look like an accounting system, if you will. It does to me because I'm not an accountant and it's what I used to run my business. Yeah, but yeah. it's, you know, it's interesting that folks are like, well, this doesn't look like what I'm used to seeing. And so even though the process is there and we're actually not going to transform something and maybe that individual function, it's that the change itself is just bigger and harder for them to absorb. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's folks in, when we work with services companies, those guys do this for a living. They kind of get it, right? Yeah. You worked with an accounting team, they've probably never gone through a systems implementation, right? Like it was, hey, here's your login. Here's the system you're going to use. They never had to think through, yeah. how can I make this process better? I'm, you know, writing test cases and running through test scripts. It's a whole new world in and of itself outside of just learning a new platform and dealing with the process change, right? Just even the process of implementation is, is new. So I do think it may not be necessarily types of companies, but it can be types of functions that I think we have to approach a little differently. And Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? 
Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. Realize there's a maybe understanding in some functions. Usually, you know, sales folks when we're implementing CRM, mm -hmm. they get it. They, they've probably used Salesforce before. You know what I mean? Yeah, they've had yeah. to track pipeline and opportunities. We're not actually reinventing that part of the wheel. I do think on the accounting finance side, it can be a little bit harder. And that's where we want to take more time, more handholding, you know, again, faster is not always better there. So. Mm -hmm. And if, if I had a business and again, I was thinking of doing something like this, how would I know that I'm a, a good candidate for you guys? What would be kind of your definition of the right type of company, your, your mm -hmm. avatar, if you will? Yeah. So I think where we add value is where there's there is that level of complexity, either because we're implementing systems across the whole quote to cash process. So you're touching a lot of different functions in that, or maybe it's the size global scale of the organization that makes the rollout and change management plan, you know, more complex. Mm -hmm. I think that's where we can really come in and help customers, folks that are, you know, maybe looking for that, like I said, kind of fast and down and dirty implementation. Let's just get this thing up and running. Let us use it. Or, or, typically ones we would shy away from or kind of say, hey, maybe maybe another partner would be a, a better fit for you. And at the end of the day, you know, we just, as a community with these platforms, we need more successful customers. We need more references, right? We need a larger community of customers and it, everybody wins then. So I don't mind stepping away and saying, hey, we're not actually, not the low cost provider here. We're not gonna be the fastest and the cheapest. Maybe somebody else is in that business, happy to point you over there. And I hope you're successful. Yeah. You know, we're, there's plenty of other customers out there that, that we can help and support. And I think too, we work a lot with customers that are going through acquisition and mergers and things like that, um, either in the middle, sometimes they've gone through it, but haven't come together really mm -hmm. cohesively. And now there's an initiative to really kind of become one company. And some of that can really start with systems. It, yeah. That can be the impetus, right? It's the, well, we'll blame the one company thing <laughs> and having you change your ways on the system that we're implementing. It's kind of a, a sneak attack into change management there. But I think that I've seen enough of that. I understand I've had customers where I walk in at kickoff and they've let, you know, the executive leadership go or my executive sponsor or something. And they're like, can you just make the decisions for a little while till we get somebody else in here? Yeah, so yeah. seen a lot of, a lot of that and helps kind of guide customers going through that of, you know, calm down, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. kind of what to expect and a little bit of, I guess, a little bit of therapy sessions in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> so if someone was looking to get acquired, is there, do you have any type of metrics or anything on what having a, like a cohesive system that mm -hmm. allows all of the different departments or what have you speak to one another does that increase the value of, of the, the asset of the, the business? I would imagine so, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. 
Do, Absolutely. Do you have yeah, any any lot of, thoughts on what that what that number might be? It, I I don't on the number. Not, I'm sure it's out there, but it, absolutely. And we work with customers that want to be acquired and, and mm-hmm. want to move into that, or or one wanting to go IPO. That taking care of the back office and having that well oiled machine, mm-hmm. even if everything is not completely well oiled, the uh, the software in place and the processes in place and the controls in place, I think lend itself to demonstrating scalability, right? Mm-hmm, Dem- mm-hmm. Demonstrating a maturity. We, we take our business seriously. It's not just what we do for our customers or what we build, but we understand we need to run a smart, healthy machine here. And yeah. I think having some sophisticated systems in place and processes around that go a long way when investors are, are looking at them. Yeah, very cool. Talk a little bit about your approach on building your own company and and the culture side of things and how you yeah. you know how you find the right type of people and make sure that they mesh with the rest mm-hmm. of the people that are already there. You know, talk a little bit about that process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, as a consultant, as my whole career, it's kind of brought in as the expert, right? And I. I'm not the expert in everything. So when it comes to the business, I bring in the experts. Mm-hmm. And even within the first two years, I hired a, a very senior, he's now my COO, very senior leader to come in and scale our delivery side. Like I said, mm-hmm. I was kind of shied away from the manager part. <laughs> and here we had a couple of team members and I'm pulling my hair out, trying to sell and deliver, manage them and brought him in to really put the systems and the operational procedures in place to, to support our growth and, and support us scaling. And then brought in actually Kim here, we brought in Kim, senior marketing leader, right? And she has a team of people. So that helps us to, instead of having, you know, full-time content person, full, you know, CMO, all of that, right? It was a little overkill for us at the time brought Kim in and her team and she can bring in the resources we need and also give us that strategic vision on, on mm-hmm. the marketing side. Mm-hmm. Brought in a sales leader to do the same and uh, re- most recently a CFO to do the same. So to me, I'm, I'm not the expert in those areas, right? I'm, I'm good at selling what we mm-hmm. do and I'm good mm-hmm. at being a consultant, but I think that has been one kind of key to success. I'm just I don't feel like I ever got in my own way on that one. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You just didn't knowing, try to do it yourself. Nope, yeah. this is not me. Yeah. Like, I don't even have a good time with it, right? Yeah. So <laughs> don't enjoy this. Let's uh, pull somebody in who does and is really passionate about that, that area, their area. And I think, you know, Doug has certainly helped me build out this culture of employee centricity, if you will. Mm-hmm. I feel like that sounds like a buzzword, but it works. You know, we really... <laughs> I think we we spend a lot of time in recruiting and making sure that we have an organizational fit, right? Mm-hmm. There's the aptitude, sure, you can effectively test for that or figure that out. There's a ton of smart people out there. The skill set, you know, often we're in a small community, especially on the financial course ERP space, a smaller community of resources that know the product. So we're certainly going to have to train them on it. So we want consultants that are coming in with a little bit of consulting experience, maybe the domain experience will teach them the product, but we just don't want any egos on the team. Yeah. It's kind of a, I think a very open culture, very trusting culture that we've built. Um, and that takes a lot of time and energy, not only to, you know, maintain that with current employees, but also in finding members joining the team. And really we think about 
at the size we are, just one person coming in could kind of make or break that culture, if you yeah, will. Sure. We're very, very protective of it. Yeah. And if, and if it's not the right fit, it, let's have this conversation. They're probably not happy either, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that generally comes pretty apparent pretty early on. But we go through, in terms of kind of hiring and onboarding folks, we we go through several rounds of interviews with several different people. And I've seen some different things out there on like, oh, this is, you're taking up too much time of the candidate and this is too much. And I'm thinking, you know how expensive it is, it is to replace yeah. a resource? Do you know, yeah. you know, I have somebody going out on Glassdoor tarnishing the company name, like put a price on that, you know? Yeah. So I'm going, well, we... Yeah, we asked. I haven't gotten the specific feedback. I've just read some things recently where I was like, guys, you should want more time, you know, mm-hmm. to get to know the company. So yeah, we go through a couple of phone interviews, always try to do that last interview in person. And we do kind of a, at this point, we've been kind of going for that culture fit. Mm-hmm. And then we do kind of a practical, if you will, in the final interview. So put them through a bit of a, you know, do a mini requirements gathering session and then present back to us. And some of that's just around style, just trying mm-hmm. to kind of feel things out. We throw up things like conflict, conflicts that have come up, right? Sometimes it's that week. It was, hey, this scenario happened. How would you have handled it? And there we're looking for, again, that that mentality and that alignment in how we make decisions, right? Mm-hmm. If they're coming back with an answer, we're going, we would never want you to do that. Or that's just not how we would approach the situation. Like that can be a red flag. But I think that's taking that time has has served us well. And we try to bring in folks that, you know, peers, executives, other areas, just kind of poking at at the candidate to make sure Mm -hmm. we've got a good fit here and that they're going to thrive, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And how long you mentioned before that, that, you know, you've heard of other companies, you know, having complaints that this is taking too long. How long would you say on average that you spend on a new candidate? I imagine that that probably yeah. depends on what, what they're being plugged into. Obviously, like an executive right. or leadership, that's going to take longer, but just on average. Yeah, well, and we're hiring mostly, we're pretty lean at the top. So we're hiring mostly consultants at mm-hmm. various levels, some junior, some a little bit more senior. I mean, generally, it's probably eight hours or so. Oh, that's time. not bad. Okay. Right? The last, it's not too bad. No, and we, t- we tend to move folks through, right? Yeah. It's kind of, I don't know. We're, we've constantly been hiring. We've been in that mode, um, which is a, a great problem to have, but we're ready to make decisions, right? This isn't like, oh, we're just kind of keeping people warm or any of that. Yeah. And I understand folks, you want to know, I've been through that process. Like you just want to know if, it, if you're going to get the job or not, especially when you get really excited about it. And so we don't like to keep people kind of hanging or a lot of delays in that process yeah. most of the time. And sometimes there's candidates that it is a it's intentionally a, a bit longer in that they're also, you know, need to be wooed. Maybe they're not looking, they weren't looking to leave. We kind of went to them and mm-hmm. kind of, oh, let's, let's feel this out, see what this could mm-hmm. look like. In a growing company, new roles are created. And sometimes it takes a while to really, you got to interview a few different people to kind of get that idea of, ah, yeah, that's what we're looking for in this role. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. So if people want to learn more about you or your company, where would you suggest that they go? Yeah, a couple of different places. I would say um, certainly for what we actually do, um, our website, I think for kind of getting a feel for our team would be, you know, LinkedIn. And actually we've got a, a great presence on Instagram. So that's kind of huh. our fun social channel. Just kind of see what we do. We'd like to get the team together. 
generally they enjoy each other's company. They'll, you know, hang out after work and after meetings and those kinds of things. We're always doing fun stuff with swag and, and things like that. So we'll post yeah. that on Instagram. But I think I've heard actually in the past probably year or so, a couple of candidates just saying that's, they really followed us for a little while on Instagram. And I'm like, interesting about that. Yeah. So it's not a whole lot of professional work stuff. It's more just our, our team and, yeah. and some fun stuff, but that's yeah, been interesting. Very cool. Very cool. And what is your Instagram handle too? Uh, VFP consulting. VFP. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Stephanie, this has been fantastic. We have a lot in common and I, I love your approach. I love the way that you approach the, the complexity of bringing some of these things into, into new companies. So yeah. kudos to you for you know, pulling this all together and helping usher in new ages of, of doing business <laughs> to these different companies. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It's been a great conversation. Appreciate it. Thank you. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.